0: Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in chronological order, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly.
2: I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells.
0: And today we're discussing Deadly Blessing, released August 14th, 1981. It was written by Glenn M. Bennist, Matthew Barr, and Wes Craven, based on a story by Bennist and Barr, directed by Wes Craven, and released by United Artists. The production suffered difficulties from unpredictably harsh weather conditions and an accident on set which hospitalized actor Ernest Borgnine. Apparently the horses used to pull buggies in the film were not accustomed to that task and panicked unexpectedly, flipping the wagon.
1: Oh my my gosh.
0: He was sitting on top of it with actress Colleen Riley who portrays Melissa in the film and she emerged relatively unscathed after landing on Borgnine But for a moment, director Wes Craven was certain that Borgnine had been killed.
2: Oh, jeez.
0: After three days recovering in the hospital, Borgnine returned to set good as new. The film's production company, Polygram, had a distribution deal with Universal, who shuffled the release date around several times before exercising a contractual option to pass on distributing altogether. The film was eventually released by United Artists as the last film under the Transamerica banner, which was bankrupted, by the failures of Heaven's Gate in 1980 and 1981, and then acquired by MGM. On top of his head injury, Borgnine was granted a Golden Raspberry nomination for Worst Supporting Actor, but the prize would go to Steve Forrest for Mommy Dearest. We start with ominous cultish chanting over black and white photos of an Amish community, or it looks Amish. We see a barn with a religious symbol painted on the face of it. At least it looks religious. it looks like a tic-tac-toe board with x's in the top middle right middle bottom middle and left middle squares and a circle in the center square (laughs) a narrator brings us into the story
2: in the rolling hills of a simple farm community untouched by time a gruesome secret has been protected for generations Can we come back to this later? Yeah, I think we should,
0: because I'm not clear what that secret is. Maybe it's still a secret.
1: The secret is, where did the rolling hills go? Yeah.
0: (laughs) We get some pleasant, hopeful music as a team of Amish farmers till the land, but the score turns sour on a close-up of Ernest Borgnine as Isaiah Schmidt. On a neighboring farm, Jim Schmidt starts up a tractor to do the same amount of work single-handedly and he's chased out of the home by wife Martha Schmidt with a surprise lunch. On another nearby farm, Faith Stoller is doing a plein air oil painting of Martha and Jim's farmhouse, which seems to be named Our Blessing based on a sign at the gate, while a large Amish man will come to know as William Glunts, played by Michael Berryman, hops a fence behind her to sneak up on her. Martha is actively walking through her yard, and Faith adds her to the painting with a coy smile, it's clear already that Faith has feelings for Martha, and I actually like the art style of this painting. It's all curly and swirly. Yeah. Glutz whips the painting off her easel and bashes it over his knee before frisbeeing it into the wind. When Faith goes running after it, he destroys her easel and paints.
2: Stop it, Glunts! Incubus! You retard!
0: He chases her home, calling her a servant of the incubus all the way. Eventually, she leads him past Jim's tractor, and Jim intervenes and urges him home to avoid angering Isaiah.
1: At this point, I was wondering, what is he doing with the tractor? Because I don't know what he's doing.
0: <laughs> he's tractoring. <laughs> <It's>
2: <laughs> yeah, tractoring. I don't yeah. think he knows either. I was like, he's, yeah, just, he's
0: not going into a field. He's just kind of rolling it around their yeah, property. To like,
2: be fair, he's a—he's a Hittite that has recently moved into the modern world. He right. probably doesn't know what he's doing with the tractor. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I mean. <laughs> later we'll we'll see there's like a lawn mowing kind of like a bladed attachment but in a lot of these shots with with him driving in the morning it's not there right it's just yeah. driving a tractor around
0: yep faith's mother louisa Stoller, finally shows up and promises to replace the paints that glunts broke jim tells her that he might need her for something soon
2: you do midwifing don't you
1: hey don't say when it won't be until spring sometime <gasps>
0: She tells him she hopes it's a girl because boys are trouble, which comes across as a joke here, but she'll take it to a weird place later.
1: (laughs) Also, it's weird that she said she would buy her paints when she seems very against it later.
0: Yeah, I I did think that was a weird change of character. Isaiah catches John Schmidt waving to his brother Jim on the tractor and yanks him by an ear down from a horse-drawn wagon.
2: We have no use for that kind of machinery, so do not covet what he has.
1: He is dead understand yes father i understand
0: so isaiah leads this fictional amish sect called the what's that word
1: hittites. hittites
0: and he has at least two sons jim and john and somewhere along the line jim was excommunicated from their sect in the real world the hittites were an ancient civilization of zool worshipers that's not true
2: but there isn't, like...
0: There are Hittites, but they, yeah. they didn't worship Zul. Zul is not a real thing.
2: No, no, but there is, there is an ancient civilization of Hittites. Yep. But, like, is there a current population no. of them? Because I, it wasn't something no, that I a was No, it's a reference to with.
0: the ancient civilization. Okay. Yeah. But the... Uh,
2: they, they wanted them to be Amish, but didn't want to offend anyone.
1: Right, right. exactly. <laughs> in case yeah. the Amish go to see the movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: for the first time on Rumspringa. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the the Hittites in the Ghostbusters universe were... Along with the Mesopotamians, they were worshippers of Zul in 6000 BC, which I think actually predates the actual Hittites. At the end of the day, Jim rolls his tractor into a barn, and we notice Glunts planning something nefarious just outside. Inside the barn, Jim finds a can of red paint and a brush near a painting of the word incubus across the wall above his workbench. Glunts doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that can spell incubus right without an accomplice, though. Jim uses more paint to blot out the word, and we cut to Faith at home finishing the oil painting Glunts tried to destroy earlier. She adds some green to the grass, and it looks like from this angle, she has painted over the figure of Martha in the yard. Her mother screams for her, but she's lost in the painting. Louisa tells her daughter that she wishes she would paint her nails instead of canvases, but Faith loves her hobby. That night, Martha presents Jim with another surprise gift, and we learn it's their first anniversary together. He hazards a joke guess that it's a manure spreader, but it's a photo album of their year together. We learn he left his family and community to be with
2: her. Papa knew this would happen if he let me go off. Glad you went anyway? Glad you're stuck out in the country with that crazy Hittite. Ex-Hittite.
0: He tells her that there's still work to do on the tractor, but she lures him into the bedroom instead. Outside, a POV approaches the house, and we intercut with Jim and Martha having sex in their bedroom. The POV pushes its way into the house and spies on them through the cracked bedroom door. Sometime later, Jim is woken by a dog barking, and the POV backs out the front door. Jim throws on a shirt and steps outside when he notices the front door swinging wide open.
2: I feel like now having finished this movie, I'm going back and questioning every single one of these early scenes and who not, this was. not really understanding yeah what's what's happening here. Yeah.
0: I don't think it's spelled out specifically who this POV is actually. Okay. I mean there are two reasonable suspects. I
2: think that yeah there's two. You're at right. least. There's, two, uh, there's at least two options.
0: <laughs> Before he heads back inside he hears the tractor start in the barn and he moves to investigate. He tries to flick on the light bulb but it conveniently burns out the second it turns on. He steps across the rim to the tractor and shuts it off. He notices that the chicken coop was left open and they're running all over the barn. When he closes up the coop, the tractor turns on again and Jim steps in front of it when the headlights flick on. He's blinded by the brightness and calls out to whoever's doing this when the tractor moves forward and pins him against the workbench.
2: So this, this action feels supernatural in that the light bulb goes out right. and the tractor feels like it's starting with nobody really there...
1: Uh, well, I didn't feel that it was starting with no one there, because he cause I think he clearly sees, or he, he sees an image of someone.
0: I thought he was just assuming because it turned on and uh. the lights came on that someone was there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like they framed it in a way that you don't see anything. Yeah, and I think it's vague. At it, this
0: point, you're not supposed to know if there was a person doing it or if it's happening on its But this
2: whole section to me feels supernatural. Yes,
0: I agree. But I got the impression that it was su- that whoever was doing this was trying to make it feel supernatural to him. Mm. On my first pass, I don't I don't know for sure if there's a person in this tractor or not. Yeah. More time passes before Martha awakens and steps outside looking for him. She notices that the barn door is open, but I thought that's how they're supposed to be on farms. Why do you say were you born in a barn when someone leaves a door open if you're supposed to shut them on barns? <laughs> Eventually, she finds Jim pinned by the front of the tractor, but apparently dead with his eyes wide open and blood still trickling down his face. She tries to pull him free and then checks for a pulse, but he collapses limply. She backs away horrified, and we cut to dirt being thrown over his coffin at his funeral. The gravedigger tells her that she doesn't have to watch this whole part, but Martha says she intends to see him fully buried. A small collection of Hittites appear on a nearby hill and watch the aftermath of the funeral. The gravedigger chimes in again.
1: They usually do that when one of their own dies. Money? He can to them
0: louisa walks martha back to her pickup and drives her home looking down from the hill john's fiance melissa makes an accusation the evil one is among us we cut to a mustang convertible flying over country roads the driver vicky and passenger lana are friends of martha's visiting from out of town to console her lana is being played by sharon stone in an early appearance and her first speaking role for the podcast
2: <sighs> who are these hittites anyway i'm not sure what No, no connection. According to Martha, the Hittites make the Amish look like swingers.
0: We cut back to Martha's farm, where Gluntz leads a pack of children to the barn. It's locked up tight, but Gluntz finds an open window. Louisa's pickup comes to a stop outside the house, and as Martha steps out, Louisa reminds her to call if she's ever sad about anything, like, I don't know, the funeral of her husband or something like that. (laughs) Louisa drives away.
1: (laughs) Well, it, it was like she was hitting on her.
0: Yeah, she's she has a very weird smile.
1: Yeah, it's like if you never need anything like comfort or yeah, another lady in your house is like, it's like what, what is she? Doing?
0: And I, Martha says something to the effect of, "I'm sorry that we had to get to know each other this way." Yeah. Immediately, Martha notices the window open on the barn. She would be great at those spot the difference games. That <laughs> Gluntz and the boys find where Jim died, and Gluntz rakes his fingers through a puddle of human blood. Actor Michael Berryman's medical condition prevents the growth of fingernails, so his hand in the blood looks especially peculiar.
1: Mm. Toenails, too, or just fingernails?
0: No toenails, no fingernails, no hair, no sweat glands. Oh. Yeah.
2: That's got to be uncomfortable.
0: Especially when Wes Craven has you shoot The Hills Have Eyes in the Middle of the Desert.
2: Oh, Jesus.
0: Martha tears open the door to the barn angrily, and Glunce and the boys make a run for it. She arms herself with a pitchfork, and Glunce hides away in the chicken coop until she leaves. She notices the blood and the tractor and pauses for a moment, and when she spins around, she comes face-to-face with her two friends from out of town. She's startled at first, but happy to see them. Glunts climbs out of the chicken coop through the chicken entrance and loses a shoe along the way.
2: How do you know it's not a chicken exit? Same thing. <laughs> you call it an exit? Call it an no, no. <laughs> We're not going to use that. <laughs> Talking
0: about chickens. <clears throat> At night, Martha's friends are weirdly digging into her finances already. Do you have a clear deed to this place? Did Jim leave a will? Martha confirms that Jim made a point to include this property in his will to prevent his family from taking it back in the event of his untimely death.
2: So did his family give him this property?
0: I think it, it was his inheritance and, and it was given to him, but that he made sure that it would not go back to his family if he died. Jim left his community to go to school and came back with Martha, but his family wouldn't accept her and called her the incubus.
1: What's an incubus? Some sort of a
2: devil that seduces the faithful in his sleep. Now, are they calling her an incubus at any point?
0: Um, I think there's at least a couple times where someone says incubus to her. Directly to yeah. her?
1: Yeah. Or, and they, but they often say that she is with incubus.
0: Right. Her friends seem to have planned to take her back to Los Angeles with them but she asked them to stay here with her for a week instead. Back in the Hittite community, Glunts is lying to his father about where he lost his shoe. His father is furious to have been lied to and tells Glunts to find the shoe if it takes all night. Instead of checking where he must know he lost it, Glunts climbs a tree in Martha's front yard and spies on Lana, standing on the balcony off her bedroom. She heads inside and takes a shot to help her sleep. And when she looks at the room ceiling, she sees a tarantula walking along. I don't think tarantulas can cling to ceilings like this, so we're probably looking at an upside down shot of the floor.
1: Also, she tries to go to sleep like it's With not there. With a spider right above her <laughs> head. I was like, no, you get <laughs> out of that room and you kill that goddamn spider. Yeah.
2: Well, she knows she must be hallucinating because spiders are definitely not native to wherever she is that are that big.
0: Yeah. What, do you think she just took a a shot of, like...
1: Some absinthe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The green fairy will take care of that spider any minute.
0: As Gluntz walks around the house, a light comes on inside, and he's drawn to the window. Inside, he watches Martha strip nude, but weirdly, in the first shot, she has no nipples. She's wearing those modesty stickers they give actresses to hide her nudity. We cut outside to Gluntz staring, and then back inside to a body double with her head carefully cropped out of the shot. Gluntz notices a leather sheath for a knife in the windowsill and takes it. Suddenly, the knife that probably belongs in that sheath stabs Gluntz through the back and he collapses in the dirt. The POV of the killer watches Martha get into bed and look uncomfortable alone. The next morning, Isaiah and Glunt's father Matthew ride a horse buggy to Martha's farm in search of Matthew's missing son. Before he can knock, Martha opens the door. He tells her why they're here, and when Glunt's father tries to converse with her, Isaiah pulls him aside and warns him of her alluring ways. Isaiah tells Martha to let him know if she sees Glunt's, and then brazenly suggests that Jim would want her to gift this property back to his people.
2: His people. His people turn their backs on him. You ordered it.
0: When he assures her he can offer a fair price, she slams the door in his face as an answer. At the neighbor's farm, we see Faith collecting chicken eggs and then cut to Martha's Kitchen, where Vicky, her non-Sharon Stone friend, tells her that she should build condos on the property to spite the Hittites.
2: Who's gonna want a condo in the middle of nowhere?
0: Just make it a bed and breakfast or something. Lana joins them in the kitchen and tells them the story of a bad dream she had. A man with gray skin was chanting her name slowly. Vicky tells her to stop bumming everybody out. She says she shot the man with a cannon and when the smoke cleared, he turned into a spider. I probably wouldn't have assumed that the spider and the man were the same being. <laughs> yeah. But that's just me. She says the spider kept saying her name until she woke up. Okay, that is
1: suspicious. <laughs> and how big is the spider? Oh, like you know. is it a man-sized spider or Was he was wearing it... the same outfit? <laughs> <laughs> was it man spider? <laughs> the amazing man spider. <laughs>
0: Vicky throws open the curtains to the kitchen (laughs) window. Sorry.
1: Sorry. I I wanted to replace amazing with startling.
0: (laughs) The startling man spider.
1: (laughs) I don't know why that's not that funny.
0: (laughs) Vicky throws open the curtains to the kitchen window to lighten the room, and they're all surprised by the smiling face of neighbor Faith, who's here with a basket overflowing with chicken eggs. Despite looking a touch older than Martha and her friends, Faith seems very childish. She and her mother are not Hittites. In fact, they can't stand them. Faith promises to return soon with even more eggs. For some reason, Martha doesn't remind her that she has her own chicken coop overflowing <laughs> with chickens and that it's not necessary.
1: Also, she brings a basket of eggs and then she selects two of them and says, here, Martha, these are for you. It's like, yeah. Oh, you're only giving her two out of this whole basket. No, you're leaving the whole basket? Why did you single out these two eggs?
0: I thought she said these two are for you and gave them to Vicky. Like she was just saying, oh, like, oh your friends can have some eggs too. Yeah. I do but like she a... already had a plate yeah. with cooked eggs on them.
1: I do like, uh, I do like the, the detail that she said she candled them all herself. Right, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. She's like,
0: there's not going to be any eyes in this when you cook it. As Martha tries to shepherd Faith out of the house, she wanders into the master bedroom and compares the death of Martha's husband to the death of a shitty pet bird she had.
2: cried and cried for him all night, just like I would for a brother.
0: I know how it is. She sits on Martha's marital bed and starts bouncing methodically while staring at Martha, who asks her to please stop. Later, we see Vicky out for a jog when two little Amish boys start to follow her down the path. They're interrupted by their father, who seems to buy into Isaiah's propaganda. She comes across a German shepherd chewing on the bones of some dead animal, and then snarling angrily at her. She pulls a can of mace off her belt and shouts at the dog, and it jumps right past her head, so she sprays it in the face with mace, causing it to run away.
2: This is totally irrelevant, aside from like trying to be like, I don't know, a jump scare you. And
0: establishing that she carries mace.
2: Oh, there you go.
0: She continues her run and passes Jim's brother, John Schmidt, with his horse and wagon. She seems distracted by him and almost trips. He asks where her red car went, and she's flattered that he remembered her vehicle when he saw her in town recently.
1: It's like, what do you mean where it went? You cannot
0: travel without your vehicle, miss. (laughs) I never use cars. You only use cars. (laughs) She learns he is Jim's brother and apologizes. He tells her that Jim is in a better place. They introduce themselves, and she asks if he really thought Jim was so terrible. John explains that he had to follow his father's orders. What my father says will always be the law.
1: But he was my brother.
0: She tries to leave, but he invites her to just... Hang out in this random field for a while. Sometime later, she is recounting all the conveniences that the Hittites have surrendered.
1: There's no cars, no jets, no telephone poles or
0: power lines. Not a single luxury. Right. <laughs> As a fan of Weird Al Yankovic, I'm of course reminded of the lyrics to Amish Paradise. There's no phone- Somehow, Isaiah is able to sneak up on them in a horse-drawn carriage with John's fiancée in tow. Vicki tries to introduce herself to Isaiah, and he won't have it.
1: I'm Vicki Anderson. I'm a friend of Martha's. We are the kindred of God. We have no business with the serpents.
0: Isaiah reminds his son that he shouldn't be flirting with this stranger, but rather with his own cousin.
1: Your cousin is a
2: sound woman. You are to shun the rest.
0: Back on Martha's farm, the tractor is making a strange noise, which she diagnoses as a loose foot. Oh, I hate it when I have a loose foot. Lana offers to check the barn for a spare, and Martha gives her directions to it.
1: It just seems like, Martha, you go get it. You know exactly where it is. Tell me specifically where in your massive barn this one little thing is.
0: (laughs) Honestly saying, it sounds like a loose foot. Why don't you go get it? It sounds like, uh, oh, we need some headlight fluid, like I'm playing a prank on you. While Lana is digging through a heavy toolbox, the barn door slams shut. She props it open with a rock and heads back inside, but it quickly slams shut again. She assumes Vicky is pranking her. When she can't get the door open this time, she sneaks around checking all the windows, but they're locked tight, and one by one the shutters slam closed, blocking out all light in the barn.
2: I'm going to argue this also feels very supernatural. I agree. (laughs) Because I don't think any person physically could hold this door and shut all these shutters
0: but could eight small children do it what what (laughs) could children do it we've seen an army of children in this film
2: i that doesn't seem relevant to what happens in the rest of the film
0: i agree i'm just saying there are other options here that we've established so far in the story also it could be wind i don't know
2: barns are are weird. weird
0: All Lana can see is the light at the top of a ladder to the second floor of the barn. She cries with fear as she blindly and repeatedly stumbles through spider webs. She climbs the ladder and pushes through more webs at the top.
1: Where are you going? Like, w- Yeah,
0: w- w- this is w- the way out, right? No, you're going up.
1: Yeah, when you're on the second floor, you're even if you find a way out, you're still not out.
0: Yeah, but magically there is a way out by going up, it turns out. Of course, the second floor is also crawling with enormous spiders. She finds a stairway back to the first floor and visible light beyond, but stops short of crashing through an occupied spiderweb on her way down the steps. She leans back against a pile of hay bales and finds a shoe in it. Someone dressed in all black gropes at her and shouts. <laughs> Lana runs full speed through the spiderweb and falls down the stairs. She realizes at the bottom that there's a spider on her chest and she frantically swats it away before stomping it to death and then running out of the barn. Right when it seems like she's escaped, the corpse of Glunts drops down on a noose blocking her path. She screams in terror and we cut to hours later as the Hittites carry his body out of the barn. The county sheriff is here but the family won't let him inspect the body. It's clear the Hittites blame Martha for this death. The sheriff seems blatantly annoyed that they won't let him order an autopsy to determine a
2: cause of death. You want me to find who did that or not? We already know who did this. Who? The incubus. Your laws cannot crush the incubus. Ours can.
0: After the Hittites leave, the sheriff suggests that Martha get the fuck out of Dodge while there's a killer roaming this countryside.
2: See, I think, I feel like all of the situations in which we think he is calling Martha an incubus, he is just referencing an incubus. Yeah, that's possible not directing it at
0: her i agree yeah here it's he's not saying it specifically to her for sure but she did say that they call her an incubus that might just be her misunderstanding what's been said to her yeah at martha's house later lana's eyes are still moist with tears martha asks her to explain again what happened and who jumped out at her but now Lana claims that there was no one there she was alone martha thinks maybe it's time vicky took lana home to la but vicky says they'll stay until they hear back from the sheriff that night Another POV stocks Martha's property. Someone opens her bedroom window while she's preparing a bath. She's barely started the water running in the room, and it's already thick with steam.
1: Yeah, it's like, what? How hot is that water? <laughs> you literally
0: just turned it on. It reminds me of one of the, maybe the first episode of the Dilbert cartoon, where uh, he set up his shower so that he could just say a number, and it would turn the water to that temperature right and then Dogbert's like hey what's that space movie you like and he's like what <laughs> <laughs> the pov sneaks around the house watching vicky and lana while martha takes a bath with the door to the bathroom open a gloved hand pushes open the bathroom door as martha settles into the water her knees are folded up out of the water straddling the camera in a very similar position to one we'll see from heather Langenkamp camp and west craven's later film a nightmare on elm street Martha puts a wet rag over her face, but quickly senses someone in the room with her. We see someone in shiny black shoes set a pillowcase on the bathroom floor. Martha slides open the shower door, but doesn't see anyone here.
1: And, and why does she have the shower door closed?
0: Uh, to keep all the steam in.
1: But then she has it open on the other side. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't understand what you're doing.
0: The camera pans down to reveal a snake that came from the pillowcase crawling alongside the bathtub. It sneaks through an opening in the shower door and disappears into the bathwater under Martha's legs. Martha thinks she feels something strange and starts digging around under her, only to come up with a bar of soap.
2: Touch me there again and I'll scream.
0: When Martha tries to go back to sleep, the snake head surfaces from the water between her legs and she panics. She's suddenly leaping all over the tub, juggling this snake around in the water.
1: Nice (laughs) marmot.
0: Obviously you are not a golfer. Apparently, this whole sequence came to Wes Craven in a dream, which is why he ended up reusing it later. She runs through the living room and grabs a fire poker, and after she returns to the bathroom, we hear her take five solid swings at the tub before re-emerging panting.
1: So, here's what I don't like, and and maybe this is a supernatural thing. She's screaming in terror, and her friends are doing nothing. Like yeah. They're not even at the door. When she comes out, they're still sitting down. Yeah. And I was like, did they not hear her? The room is right there. Yeah, and yeah. she was
0: screaming for a good, like, five or six yeah. seconds.
1: But then she comes running out, doesn't say there's a snake in the bathroom. Yeah. She runs past them. Well, sure, first of all, she had the foresight to stop, grab her robe, fully robe. Yeah. Like, arms through each sleeve Yeah, I was pretty <laughs> pissed off
0: about that, too. I was like, what? I was really angry about that. <laughs>
1: Um, grab a fireplace poker, run back to the bathroom, not explaining anything, and then she closes the door again.
0: Behind her as Behind she goes Behind her. Yeah, that is
1: weird. <laughs> I was like, why? why? Yeah. Now you're trapped well, you, in there with the snake. You don't want to get in out. But I don't want to be trapped in there. I'd rather it get out into the house than, than to be trapped in a room with it. Yeah. Well, I'll she lives here. Later.
0: She's used to this. Snakes do this all the time.
1: And she does say that.
2: But I would say... There is nothing supernatural about this entire event.
0: Right, yes. Lana asks what happened, but when Martha takes a second to respond, Lana decides she doesn't want to know and leaves to go to bed. Like, she doesn't even wait for an explanation of why'd you take a fire poker and go crazy in the bathroom for a second. Vicky's still curious and asks what happened again, and we cut to the tub now speckled with snake blood as a bent tail slowly disappears under the water. The same night, over at the Hittite church, a funeral choir, are singing inside while John leans on a fence in the yard and his fiancé cousin comes to check on him. He says he just needs a little air. She warns him that his father is back and he should come inside. Isaiah comforts Matthew on his way to the front of the church. Instead of trying to calm anyone's nerves, Isaiah starts with accusations. He starts by condemning the incubus that has now cost the lives of two of their flock. But there's more blame to spread around. Isaiah claims that someone here tonight brought Gluntz to that forbidden place, and he demands that the guilty party step forward. They pass a box around, giving everyone the opportunity to submit the name of the sinner. The chubbiest of the boys is quick to insert a name, and when Isaiah reads it aloud, it is Leopold Smith, the boy sitting directly to the left of the chubby kid. Leopold approaches Isaiah and kneels at the head of the church, confessing to having led glunts to the forbidden place.
1: This is the worst anonymous thing ever. It's, it's like, like you, you, you
0: watched him put it in there.
1: Yeah, and then as soon as he did, you took it away.
0: And also, he didn't have to write it down on the card. Like, he wrote this kid's name on his piece of paper before he went to the church and yeah. tucked it into his hat.
1: Yeah. It was me who
0: dared him to go into the barn. I humbly ask God for forgiveness
2: we shall make it impossible for the incubus to rest comfortably in your soul. One we have lost, another shall we save. Amen.
0: Isaiah is handed an enormous reed and cracks it repeatedly over the hands of the small boy as he sobs. Isaiah recites a line from the Bible that we've heard before. Matthew 529.
2: If thine eye offends thee, pluck it out. If thine hand offends thee,
1: then in God's name,
2: cut it off.
0: Do you guys recall the last time we heard Matthew 529? The hand? No. Uh...
2: Oh, the omen 3
0: no you were closer with the hand oh shoot come on you gotta know the name of the other killer hand movie from yeah this year.
1: but i can't remember the title because it's oh. so outrageous
2: what is the name of that movie
1: it's like the destructors like
2: demonoid the hand of death the the fist of death <laughs> <laughs> finger death
0: demonoid finger death <laughs> Demonoid, messenger of death.
2: There you go. <laughs> messenger
0: of death. If I hand
2: offend thee, cut it off and cast it aside.
0: The next day we see Vicky and Martha pull up to a gas station in the Mustang. This is where we hear Martha just offhandedly say like, Oh, it's snakes happen around <laughs> here. It happens enough. It's like once <laughs> is enough. Did it only happen once? Vicky steps across the street to buy a bunch of chocolate to help cheer up Lana. Does this mean that Lana's having her period? Is that what the implication is? That she's like, I need to go get chocolate for Lana. That's why she's not talking to us. She had
2: a traumatic experience.
0: (laughs) I know, but it seems like the joke is, I'm getting her chocolate because that always helped before.
2: Used to work every time.
1: (laughs) The other times she found corpses? Yeah. (laughs) We just gave her chocolate and she cheered right up. I I don't like that she calls the gas station attendant Stretch when he's not very tall. He's shorter than both of them. Yeah. What is that? It's ironic.
0: Maybe he's a yoga teacher. (laughs) that's it (laughs) (laughs) inside the shop next door john and his fiance cousin melissa are looking at a catalog of wedding gowns she's picked out one that she likes john locks eyes with vicky across the store and invites melissa to surprise him with a choice before stepping away
2: i'm just gonna point out that it's a pattern book it's not a catalog the point is she's going to make the dress. Right, I get just, that. Yeah,
0: okay. But isn't it still a catalog? I isn't know. a catalog just a book with a bunch of things in it?
2: I, I suppose. Like a
0: Pokedex is a catalog. Yeah, but I'm
2: just saying, like, <laughs> they're not going to buy this dress. Right, They're sure. going to make it from But they're going to buy
0: a pattern, Fun. right?
2: It's a catalog of patterns.
0: There you go. <laughs> Melissa continues flipping through the catalog in his absence. <laughs> and he starts flirting with Vicky again. He apologizes for his father's behavior. As opposed to your father, jogging
2: shorts and a t-shirt make me a Jezebel.
0: He's surprised to hear her make a biblical reference.
1: You
2: know about Jezebel?
1: You want to do something sometime?
0: She suggests they see a movie together and assures him that no one would find out, except that Melissa overhears this part of their conversation and runs crying from the store. He's really not being very careful at all.
2: Not at all, but also I don't really understand... The lady's getting all hot over the Hittites. Like,
0: Dude's raising barns.
1: <laughs> he's he's, uh, he's built. built. A lot of barns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he has literally built.
2: Oh, God.
0: John follows her out begging for forgiveness the whole way across the street. They argue for a moment on some railroad tracks, and I got real worried. <laughs> but then he follows her to a field and proves his love for her by kissing her hard on the face over and over again.
2: It's you I want, not her.
0: eventually she breaks away from it and leaves him standing there vicky and martha line up a bunch of containers along a fence and prepare to shoot at their new targets vicky seems to need some rudimentary gun safety training because she immediately points the loaded weapon at her friend's belly yeah before martha guides the gun away from her vicky lines up a shot and pulls the trigger intending to shoot the green bottle but succeeds only in throwing herself to the ground with the recoil of the gun Somehow, the bottle manages to fall off the fence anyway, but it didn't break? I don't understand why that happened. Yeah. And it fell off toward them, not not even away from them.
2: Maybe maybe she hit the fence and I don't it know. bounced?
0: We don't even hear the sound of the bottle do anything. Next, it's Martha's turn, and she aims for the big can of red paint. It's just about the size of a man's chest. Maybe Stretch's chest. This is a very small yeah. can of paint.
1: Uh, I'm wondering... If there was so much recoil, because uh, you know, if you if you have a gun and fire it, yeah, without having something to hold it, and the gun's going back and the bullet's going out, there's not as much force as if when you're holding it uh, tightly and shooting it.
2: Are you saying that the bullet would be so slow that it wouldn't shatter the thing, but it could knock it off? No,
1: I'm not okay. saying that, <laughs> but I'm wondering if they're trying to say that. I don't know,
2: because it's yeah the the. T- t- Direction of the force is still incorrect for where the bottle landed.
1: Yeah.
0: When she hits it with her shot, the can explodes in a blast of red paint. In the neighboring Hittite community, people react to the far-off sound of gunfire, and Isaiah notices Melissa walking home alone, distraught. Her clothing is torn a bit from John's roughness, and he arrives close behind her looking very guilty. Isaiah demands his son follow him to the barn, and he obeys. Inside, he starts whipping at John's back the way he was hitting the young boy's hands, and after a couple strikes, John rises up to block the punishment. Isaiah is shocked by this insubordinates and orders John out of their community like his brother before him.
2: You are a stench in the nostrils of God! The devil has you now!
0: John tries to speak with Melissa on his way out, but she won't hear him, and Isaiah forbids it anyway.
2: Come with me, we'll talk. She is too pure to hear the devil. All our hearts and ears are stolen to you now.
0: Back at Martha's place, Vicky says that she needs to get out of the house for a bit. Martha says she's fine here with Lana and Vicky should go have fun. Just as Vicky leaves, Louisa Stoller shows up at the door to return a hat that Martha left in her truck. The hat is only part of the reason for her visit. She's worried that her daughter Faith has been annoying Martha, but Martha says on the contrary she's been very generous with their family's eggs. Ah,
2: so that's where they disappeared. I'll go get the basket.
0: (laughs) Louisa notices the gun on the couch and understands that the girls have taken their safety into their own hands.
2: Man around here is hopeless.
0: Well, I guess my old man made me hate the whole breed.
2: Yeah, As soon as Faith was born, he was over the fence and gone. I swear, if Faith had been a boy, I think I'd have just stuck her in the river like a sack of kittens.
0: You know, like you do with a sack of kittens. <laughs> just stick them in a river. Like you do. Unfortunately, we aren't treated to Lana's reaction to this line. On her way out, Louisa reminds Martha to keep a close eye on the Hittites because she knows how much trouble they can be. Across town, a pickup truck slows down outside a movie theater, and John hops out of the bed. The marquee reads Summer of Fear, a Wes Craven TV movie also starring John Schmidt actor Jeff East. The success of Summer of Fear is actually what got Wes Craven the job directing this film. John stands outside and waits as an audience lets out, and among them is Vicky. He admits to hitchhiking here because he and his father are fighting.
1: You mean hitchhiking? Hitchhiking. Hitchhiking. <laughs> That's no. good. No, that was no. good.
0: No, I'm. I'll allow it. Vicky tells John to follow her to her car for a ride home. I just got here. Back at Martha's place, Lana is lying in bed and the music is getting creepy. A pair of dark hands reach down from above her on either side of her head as a voice calls her name. From above her, we rack focus to a spider building a web directly above her face. In its web, we can read the words, some incubus. Oh, that's not true.
2: (laughs) I was like, I missed that one.
0: (laughs) It's just a spider web. (laughs) The voice tells Lana to open her mouth and then to widen it. Just as it reaches its maximum width, the spider drops from the ceiling directly into her mouth, and we hard cut to Lana choking on the couch beside Martha. It seems this was all a dream. But for the dream, this shot actually featured a live spider being dropped into Sharon Stone's mouth.
2: That was not a live spider. That was spider. a live spider. Why? It looked so fake.
1: Yeah, the way it. Dropped
0: into Sharon Stone's mouth.
2: Uh, not worth it, guys.
0: She was obviously not excited to perform this scene and Wes Craven had to hold the spider himself to prove it was safe. She only agreed to the stunt after the production team agreed to remove the spider's teeth despite the crew's assurances that the spider would consequently starve to death. They plucked all of its teeth out of its head and then dropped it in her mouth instead of just using a fake spider.
2: Everything about this is upsetting to me.
0: Yeah. Lana is embarrassed by how frightened she is but quickly realizes that Martha is just as scared because she's shivering here. Martha blames the shiver on a draft, but as soon as she makes up the excuse, she realizes there is a draft, and she follows the breeze through her house to the bedroom, where all the windows are wide open and the curtains are blowing into the room. She goes around the room shutting and locking them all. On a female scream, we cut to Vicky giving John his first driving lessons. The radio is blaring Rod Stewart's Maggie May as John goes barreling through the dirt, swerving this way and that wildly. He grinds the gears viciously until Vicky grabs his hand to correct his shifting.
2: This is wonderful! This is much better than a horse.
0: Vicky is weirdly amused by his reckless driving. He's not even looking out the window as he jumps the car over a hill and down a steep incline nearly crashing it into a tree. She assures him he did great for his first time and when he asks how to start it again she wants to know what his hurry is. She puts his arm over her shoulders and they make out for a bit. At home in bed... Melissa's cousin's sense is tingling, as she sits straight up worried about John. She finds a sharp blade in a kitchen drawer and then wanders out into the night. In Vicky's car, John starts groping at her chest. She stops him for a moment when she thinks she sees something outside, but John assures her that no one in this area is up this late. After a second sound, they both react, and John assumes that it's an animal in need of scaring away. He disappears and then returns to the car after an uneventful walk, and just as they start kissing again, a knife plunges through the rag top of Vicky's convertible. John is laying across Vicky, so he takes several stabs in the back before bleeding out and falling unconscious, probably dead. But we never really see who's doing this stabbing, right?
1: Right. The, there, there's there's a hand and a black figure. Right. It, it almost looks like, the, the two times that we've seen this, I would count this as number two. Yeah. It looks like a figure in, like, a black top hat and, like, one of those big necked, like, collared coats yeah like oh, like like a jack the ripper kind. yeah of coat. i
0: agree but I, I think every time we see one of these kills happen so far it's one of two people
2: i don't know i think there's a lot of arguments to be made at the end here
0: but the the implication i think is definitely that this is we're supposed to think this is melissa because we just saw her collect a knife at home right and maybe it is i'm not clear that I, it isn't
2: I, I don't know that it's not
0: the stabber then starts dousing the car in gasoline the same gasoline that vicky just bought this morning Vicky tries to drive the car away before it can be set on fire, but the gas can tips over from the back of the car, and the flames follow the trail. The car tires sink into the grass, and when the flames catch up to the vehicle and the full gas can, they explode, filling the interior with flames. We don't see Vicky get out, and the implication is that she and John have just been burned to death, unless John already died from the stabbing. This
1: was like a very wily Coyote kind of moment. Yeah. Where he's trying to get away, but the gas can is just leaving the trail of right. right back to him.
0: Back at Martha's, they're still waiting up for Vicky when Lana offers to prepare a snack for Martha. She pours Martha a glass of milk without looking, but doesn't notice until she's nearly finished that the milk has been replaced with blood. It's not a hallucination either because Martha sees it too and assumes it's a tasteless prank.
1: And also, who pours a glass of milk without looking? Yeah. Like, it's going to overflow yeah, that's, and make a mess.
0: She knows exactly how much.
1: Oh, but I thought of you, Jesse, uh, because they wanted a PB and J sandwich.
2: You thought of me because You've I won't eat one. that. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it would have been funny if she gave it a quick sniff test before she poured the glass. She just started <laughs> it vomiting like immediately. <laughs> Martha moves around the house, double checking all the doors are locked. But Lana tells her it's no use because death is after her, and like his friend, life, death, uh, finds a way. Martha urges Lana to get a hold of herself. When Martha opens her bedroom door, she comes face to face with a Hittite scarecrow and screams before punching it away. When Lana flicks the lights on, she notices the scarecrow is wearing a familiar corsage and heads immediately to Jim's grave where his coffin has been unburied.
1: So she, she just leaves Lana?
0: Yeah, she goes to the graveyard by herself. Yeah. Oh, she did. Like,
1: why did she take Lana with you?
0: Because she's such a crybaby.
1: I also like my note here. Why
0: don't you eat your chocolate, Lana? I'm going to the cemetery.
1: (laughs) My note here is, Scarecrow flower leads to coffin full of chickens. (laughs) Yep.
0: That's right. Martha opens the lid and looks inside for a surprisingly long time before learning that it is full of chickens, which flutter out (laughs) unexpectedly.
2: I'm surprised the chickens are quiet this entire time.
0: We cut to Martha's truck flying down the dusty roads back to the Stoller home the door is wide open and inside she finds a collection of faith's paintings the one currently on the easel features martha in a wedding dress with an amorphous black blob and a tuxedo for a husband is this the incubus (laughs) i don't know know. what this is
1: but i love like the kind of like tiara she's wearing yeah it's like reminiscent of merlin's from excalibur yeah yeah yeah. it's just like this smooth metal hat yeah
2: i think she just has a piece of lace draped on
1: her head oh (laughs) <laughs> like you do ice. when you get married. <laughs> when you get married, Richard, oh, oh, I'm gonna be so pretty.
2: <laughs> no, for you, you will get the Excalibur helmet. <laughs> yes,
0: perfect. She backs away from the painting in horror and bumps into the corpse of her husband, propped up on strings, and she screams. Why is he strung up on strings? So that she had a reference for the painting. I, Was she gonna paint him into this blob?
1: I I don't know. I don't. I don't know what's going on. Did at she all. make her mom no.
0: hold still for painting the bride part?
2: I no. What? <laughs> but okay, I was falling asleep while watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. And I stopped fifteen minutes from the end, which is right after she finds the scarecrow. Yeah. That is where I paused this movie. And
0: then it goes completely bonkers. Up until here. this
2: point. It's pretty straightforward, yeah. aside for the fact that there's the mysteries that we're not really sure who's doing this. But I felt like I thought everything was related yeah. up until this point. I thought point. that
0: none of it was supernatural until here, and, and then now, it starts to get real weird.
2: And, and and after I watched the last fifteen minutes, I'm just like, I feel like I have to rewatch this entire movie because I don't know what just happened. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We cut to a nearby yard as Melissa wanders through it, shouting religious nonsense.
2: That by the mystery of the incarnation, the passion, resurrection and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the sending of the Holy Ghost, and by the coming of our Lord to judgment,
0: Melissa's screed comes to an end just as Louisa bursts through the front door to wrap her hands around Melissa's neck and strangle her to death. Martha calls out for her to stop. Louisa freezes in her tracks, and Martha spins to run away but is quickly wrapped up by Faith.
2: Why is Louisa attacking?
0: Yeah, I can only assume that her problem is just that she doesn't like the Hittites, and one of them is here on her porch with It a just knife.
2: seems like... A weird thing that she just bursts out of her front door and starts strangling this woman.
0: It makes it seem like she's out here spouting religious nonsense every night and Louisa just finally lost
2: it. Yeah, she's had enough. Which might actually be true. Yeah, maybe. Now that I think of it. Yeah. Ah! Can't let you go now, little bird. So Faith says this line because
0: Because Martha
2: has seen things in the By the paintings that, like that, her husband she found
0: her dead body in the house, probably.
2: Right. So, is that why she says that line?
0: Maybe, or Uh, maybe because she just saw her mother try to murder a Hittite. Yeah. And and the implication here is that potentially her mother has been killing all of these people so far.
2: I don't think she has, though. No. Well, maybe we'll get to it. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's will be a discussion. They wrestle on the ground for a while, and Martha finds a rock in the straw and cracks it across Faith's head. Faith falls flat on her back, and the buttons of her shirt pop open to reveal what I think we are meant to interpret as a man's chest.
1: Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, it could just be that she's flat-chested, but there is a tuft of chest hair. Right.
0: And and either the actress is flat-chested, or she's wearing like a prosthetic chest over her chest.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we come to realize that's what we're supposed to be seeing, but I was very unsure at first, and I'm just like, yeah, she's just... You know, some that's yeah. some ladies look it, like that. It wasn't
0: so suspicious that I was like definitely a dude. Yeah, until a line later, they
1: needed to have other things pop yeah. open. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a full sleepaway camp reveal.
0: Yeah, that's what we needed to sell this moment. Louisa runs over, screaming to button her daughter son's shirt and keep the secret safe.
2: I tried to be a little girl, <laughs> I tried so hard. <sighs> you ain't
1: got no secret no more. Not if she lives
0: faith puts together that louisa is the one who put the snake in the bath louisa tries to poison faith against martha
1: she come to me and she laughed about you
2: yeah yeah she could tell she could tell that you she was half and she laughed at you
1: so is she i think she's a hermaphrodite okay
2: oh see i didn't i didn't feel like that was true i thought it was that she didn't want a boy, so she made her boy into a girl.
0: Well, I think that is part of it, but I think that she is, she has both sex organs, mm. and that her mom chose girl for her.
2: Mm. Okay. Now I thought the mom was retaliating against Martha because her daughter was attracted to Martha. Yes,
0: I agree with that. Yes.
2: Yeah. Okay. So not not that. So the where the mom here is saying like oh she was laughing at you is it's really just like oh I don't I don't want the object of your affection around anymore
0: right she's saying please don't leave me for this person and she's basically goading her daughter into killing this person because she doesn't want them to be together hmm. because she wants her daughter to be a daughter but her daughter seems to identify more with her male side Louisa reminds us that Martha is still carrying Jim's child and she'll never want to be with Faith. Martha gets back to the house and wakes Lana, telling her it's time to leave.
1: It's like, Lana fell asleep?
0: Yeah. She's just <laughs> like, ah, she'll she's gonna go figure out why all of her dead husband's clothes are in this bed. I guess I'll take a nap. Just as they get to the front door, someone's pounding on it, and Lana starts shouting, it's him, it's him. Martha starts digging for her gun, and Lana doesn't understand what's happening, but instead of explaining, Martha slaps her friend unconscious. And then immediately moves to apologize.
1: Well, Lana was saying that it, it was death and the, your, your doors won't keep him in. She starts totally losing it.
0: But she slaps her hard enough to literally knock her unconscious. Yes. Uh, but then she jumps down to the floor to make sure that she's okay. And suddenly whoever's at the door is shooting through it with a shotgun and then reaching through the shotgun hole to unlock the door when Martha returns fire.
1: And just shoot the lock.
0: Because that's too easy. When the shooting stops for a moment, Martha picks up the phone to dial the operator, but Faith comes crashing through the window by the phone and repeatedly swings a knife at Martha. And I was like, why is she using a knife now? She was just using a shotgun, and then I realized that it's mother and daughter attacking from two directions. Martha leans back and fires into Faith's center mass, knocking her back out of the window frame. Martha tosses her gun onto the couch, and then Louisa bursts in with a shotgun and fires it across the room. Martha hits the floor to avoid the shot, and Louisa chases Martha into her bedroom, while Martha digs through Vicky's bag in search of her mace. She finds it and gives Louisa a good spray in the face as they fight. Louisa tries to crack Martha over the head with a broken bedpost, but suddenly Lana is in the doorway with Martha's handgun and shoots Louisa in the back, knocking her into the corner of the room.
1: So why did Martha ditch the gun?
0: Because she thought that she had killed the only attacker and didn't realize that one person had a shotgun and one person had a knife.
1: Right, but... Still, I wouldn't throw the gun No, away. I would
0: probably hold on to it until I felt totally safe. Because you might need to shoot Faith again. You don't know. You or just Lana, shot her out of the window. you know? What? Yeah, what if Lana <laughs> turns She's on you?
2: overreacting.
0: Yeah, just get her to calm down by shooting her.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> like the scene in Airplane. I gotta get out of here. I gotta <laughs> There's get people here. with guns and <laughs>
0: nooses and shit. We get a quick shot of Melissa wandering around outside and then back to Martha as she follows a trail of blood through her home. She notices blood spatter on a pillow and touches it, entranced. She hears horses whinny outside, and suddenly Faith emerges again, prepared to stab her to death, but she is interrupted when Faith is stabbed herself by the crazy Melissa lady with the knife we saw her leave home with earlier. So, is this Melissa's first and only kill of the night?
2: We'll have to discuss each and every kill.
0: My theory is that yes, that's what's happening here. Martha makes a run for the door just as Isaiah bursts into the house, to congratulate Melissa for defeating the Messenger of the Incubus, and we dissolve to the following morning. Martha says a tearful goodbye to Lana, who offers one last time to bring her back to Los Angeles.
2: The seed's planted.
0: I stay. The sheriff is here to give Lana a ride back to the city, now that Vicky and her car are dead. No sooner has Martha closed the door behind her, alone in the house, than the lighting changes dramatically, and she sees a zombified, translucent ghost of Jim... Stumbling through the house toward her. What does that mean? Why did you say that name? <laughs> he warns her to beware the incubus, then fades away to nothing. He called out a warning, warning.
2: I don't know why you're singing.
0: That's an incubus song. Okay. <laughs> Suddenly the house is shaking beneath her and a hideous beast explodes up from the floorboards and wraps its arms around her before dragging her down into the glowing hole beneath them. The floorboards reseal themselves and the room returns to normal in a wide shot of the living room, we rack focus to a spider web in the foreground, and then cut to an exterior shot of the house for one last bit of narration.
2: The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition, and they
0: that dwell on the earth shall wonder.
1: And I do wonder. Revelation 17:8. Oh, is that uh, actually from the Bible? It is. I mm. looked it up.
2: Interesting. <laughs> you don't memorize the Bible, Richard. Mm, no. <laughs>
1: well, I know Revelation 7:12. 12. 12.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I looked. <laughs> I remember Revelation 7:12. And I looked. As he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth, and the moon became as blood.
2: Okay. Should we start at the beginning or work our way backwards? Let's start at
1: the beginning.
0: Okay, so the first kill of this movie is Michael Berryman, right?
2: No, no it's
1: Jim. Jim.
0: Oh, yeah, Jim, I guess, is killed. Uh,
1: <laughs> you guessed? I guess?
0: I guess it's, it's he kind of a major I don't know. Plot He's wandering point. around later.
2: So, like I said, when we originally came across this, these elements felt supernatural. I agree. So I feel that either it's our incubus, like actual incubus character that we see at the end here, or it's Louisa.
0: I think there's three suspects right now.
1: Even even having seen the whole film, right, I think there's right. three
0: suspects. I think it's either incubus, Louisa, or Glunts.
1: I, I would say not Glunts because Glunt's later seems like just as like curious about yeah. the blood and- that's true yeah. he does
0: seem confounded by it and but it- we do we establish him as a red herring by showing him waiting outside that barn earlier yeah. that day when he parks the tractor in it
2: yeah but I, I don't think that that's really an, a viable option here but so the only reason that I think that it wouldn't be the incubus here is that I think that Luis is trying to get martha to leave okay but i don't know that like we've established the fact that Luisa's is concerned about the relationship yet like they don't yeah. really know each other yet yeah so i don't feel like anybody has a motivation to kill jim
0: Unless, like you said, the the reason to kill Jim is because they would expect Martha to follow her friends back to Los Angeles. Well, that's what... Yeah, so yeah. that's
2: the only reason I could... That's the only reason anybody, I think, in this film would want to kill Jim.
0: Yes, I agree. And I don't think the Incubus would have reason to kill him, even. Well... I don't... I can't pretend I to know d- the, the inner workings <laughs> of yeah. an incubus.
1: the Incubus. Jim's death, it, to me, makes very little sense. But it's... Perhaps it's like... uh the just the act of having already impregnated her that his his services are no longer required sure um and you know the supernaturally supernaturally yeah yeah, like like he was cast out he was tainted and now his tainted child will grow inside this woman yeah
0: and he needs to suffer the fate that his father said he would suffer if he left
1: Hmm. Okay,
2: so we're kind of all leaning towards Incubus on this one.
0: I think this again, it's a, it's a pretty even toss up between okay. Incubus or Luisa. I I kind of agree with you guys that Glunts is not a suspect yeah. here,
1: and and I don't think that it would be Faith because we we have had no interactions between Faith and Jim at this point. The only right. people who have interacted are Martha, and and Luisa. Yeah.
2: Well, I guess if Faith at this point is already eyeing up martha from afar yeah, she maybe is. she's jealous and therefore she wants to get rid of her husband
0: in that case i would say louisa is not a suspect because louisa doesn't want for martha to suddenly be available and live next door on this farm
2: yeah but i would have thought she'd move away
0: yeah i would too
2: um okay so i think there we have three three suspects yeah, we've and narrowed we don't it really down no on this one all okay. right the
0: next kill is glunts
2: Yes, and again, and this one—I think one, he
0: killed himself. I think that's clear.
2: This one again feels no, supernatural.
0: No, this is a person
1: stabs this, him in this, the back. This is, a, this is a stabby.
2: I think it is a stabby, but like you see that. So you're saying, you Richard, that you saw you see figures in several of these kills, mm-hmm. and I think that the figure that you're seeing is kind of like the the incubus at the end that has this big collared, you know.
0: No, I think I think the thing at the end only appears at the end of the film. You think so? Yeah, I I I, I think th- what we're seeing here is Louisa just killing Hittites because she has the opportunity to.
2: Yeah, again, I don't know the motivation of this kill at all.
0: Right, but we we also know at this point, at least, that when an incubus kills you, it just pulls you down into the earth yeah. and you disappear. It doesn't use like a knife that comes with a sheath and stuff know. like that.
1: Well, and that that and that's a suspicious thing too. This would imply that Glunts stumbled upon someone who was already planning to kill somebody because they had already unsheathed their knife as if they were going to get into that window and stab someone. I
0: don't remember if the sheath was there before he started looking in the window, though. I think that that got put there while he was standing there and he didn't notice the person put it right in front of him right before they killed him. Mm. Because then he looks down surprised by it and he picks it up and he's inspecting it when he gets stabbed.
2: So, Richard, are you saying that glunts wasn't a target and he just happened to be there so we're just gonna wrong kill him? place
0: wrong time
1: yeah but i because i don't see any other reason well okay so th- there is a another red herring that i feel that we we are we're missing is which is the the biggest one and the most obvious one which is isaiah
0: okay uh, sure
1: I, isaiah yells him don't covet the tractor the tractor's evil jim is killed with tractor right um then uh guy loses shoe lies about the shoe uh, you know, he only told his father, but I'm sure his father told probably Isaiah. told Isaiah. Yeah. Isaiah goes over to the house, sees Glunts not only with the shoe, but then staring at the woman. to Take yeah. him out, yeah, because perhaps Cause he was those going... are the wages of
0: sin that yeah. he keeps talking, and about.
1: perhaps he was going there to kill Martha, but Glunt's.
2: Well, I think we have another option, though. I think that Jim and Glunt could actually be Melissa, because. I think that in theory, if she's going after like the incubus or messengers of the incubus, anybody who has sort of become susceptible to his evil ways or her evil ways. And I don't know. Well, that's the problem. Incubus, I mean, the Hittites
0: uh, are 100%. It's like a, a a whole cult of red herrings, basically. Yeah. So
2: I'm like, you know, is she going and, and, and remedying the fact that these guys have, you know, fallen to the wayside here
1: yeah um i think it's less likely that a hittite use the tractor though
0: that uh, makes sense
2: uh kill, kill him with the thing that that he right, betrayed but then them have for to yeah. It, yeah
1: you'd have to touch it <laughs> and operate it yeah you you would coming. you would soil yourself yeah you should
0: kill him old-fashioned with like a scythe or something
1: yeah that's why i think that that so far one of these the, both these kills are either uh, luisa or faith at this point for me
0: or the incubus? Uh, no, yeah, I, I, I don't think gl- the Glunt's kill is the incubus. I think that's Louisa. I, I,
1: I'm wondering if they want to kill Martha and get her out because the house is like built on the the portal. You know, it's the Hellmouth, uh, oh, yeah, okay. the vampire's Hellmouth, yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. This is this is the location, and uh, and and this this we need to get access to it. Yeah. Okay, because so they-
0: mo- moving forward in the story, though, yeah. what is the next kill? The next kill is when John and...
2: Well, we do have somebody sneak in and watch... Um...
0: Oh, yeah, the attempted kill with the snake.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, But we we also skipped the, the watching of uh, Martha and her husband early in the film, too, which I think is probably Faith.
1: Yeah, that seems like a Faith.
0: Or Gaunt's. Because we see know. him watching through the windows later.
2: I don't know. That's true. I have no idea.
1: We also have Lana's scare in the barn, which I don't know if that was an intent. Oh, with the
2: doors and the windows closing. Yeah.
0: but And the person who jumps out at her and grabs at her.
2: Right. I don't think any physical person could have done all that.
1: Or what about two people, though?
2: Do you, you think that...
1: This movie leaves everything way too wide open.
2: Louisa and Faith would be working together on that?
1: I, I don't know. They, they That's that, that, that's the thing is I don't know what they're doing. Oh,
2: man. I don't know. Okay. Yes. And then Snake. So the snake is... The snake is Louisa. Louisa. That's the only one yeah. we get a confirmation of.
0: Yeah. Uh, the the next death to kill, is the... To, kill,
2: to try to kill her. See, that seems weird to me. Here, that
0: she's trying to kill Martha in the tub?
2: That she's trying to kill her with the snake when if Luisa's is doing all these other murders, she just uses knives. knives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: This person's naked in a bathtub. It would be very or easy to kill. Or hang
2: him. somebody or with a tractor. Yeah, and know, and maybe. you could
0: argue like, well, a snake is more discreet. And it's like, is it when you have to walk through three rooms of the house with the yeah. snake in a bag to drop it off in there? In a house with two other people in it? But so the the next kill is a double kill of John and Vicky in the car, yeah, with the stabbing yeah. and fire. I think that the implication right before that scene is that Melissa's doing it, but I don't think she is. No, I think um, this is also Louisa.
2: Because why?
0: Because she doesn't like Hittites.
2: But like John's betraying them,
0: and th- she's trying to scare she's trying to scare Martha away. And killing one of her friends would be something that would scare her away if they know there's a murderer on the loose.
1: Well, I'd like to pose another possible
0: suspect.
1: (laughs) Of course. Because there's no payoff, and I'm wondering what the payoff was supposed to be with Lana and something trying to gain control of Lana.
0: Yeah, I did get the impression that she was going to be the one that was the incubus and that people were wrong and she was going to be taken over by something. Because it did seem like something was targeting her
1: I, I, I don't know the quite the timeline in my head, but she keeps, like, leaving them alone, like, oh, I'm going to bed. Yeah. And, or I'm going away, or... or
2: not really suspicious of anything. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she keeps
1: having nightmares, and she keeps seeing spiders everywhere. Yeah. And something's obviously trying to control her. Yeah. But that, that has no payoff in the movie unless she is perhaps maybe doing some of these things.
0: yeah,
2: So maybe... Her scare in the barn was uh, <clears throat> her being taken over,
1: or or maybe a part of it. But well,
0: I definitely suspected Vicky and or Lana at some point of being one of the killers.
1: But 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 Lana couldn't have killed Vicky because she she Lana and Martha were together the whole time.
0: Right, and neither one of them could have killed Jim because they weren't even in town yet.
1: Right. So I guess the Lana possession never has a payoff.
0: Yeah, and then at the end of the film, I think. Glance is the one that killed Martha. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that was definitely the incubus. We saw it. That, that, that for
1: sure is the is incubus. I
0: I was hoping from probably about the halfway point on that it turned out that Isaiah was a good guy and he was right and that the incubus was coming to kill everyone, all the non-believers. And so when that happened at the end, I was like, all right, kudos movie because that's what I really wanted was for you to be right and for the Incubus to exist. Yeah,
2: and I'm fine with that concept, but it was poorly executed because I don't think that any of that is made clear. I would have loved a distinct, like, uh, you know understanding that people were being possessed and committing yeah. these actions and it had something to do with the house and the location and that he was only trying to save people when he wanted to keep them away from these things
0: I mean nothing verifiably supernatural had happened until she closes the door yeah and ghost husband walks across the room and suddenly you're like wait I thought this whole movie was about Louisa killing everybody to keep her daughter away from this woman. And now suddenly there's a ghost walking through the room when I thought this movie was over already.
1: Yeah. Every, everything else could be shrugged off as a dream because we have these hard cuts. Yeah. Um, but we don't know if that was happening. That dream was happening at that moment or was that a dream that she had another night? Right. Uh, who
0: put the blood in the milk who put the scarecrow <laughs> in the bedroom
2: yeah and the chickens in the coffin
1: and the chickens in the coffin oh my <laughs> god they dug up the body and then said hey you know what really freak her out we're gonna take our chickens we're gonna and put, put them, them in, in the coffin and then she goes
0: immediately home to their their house? I like, thought it was
2: her house. She, it was her she barn. She was checking on her chickens, it, it was, and her chickens her were there.
0: Was her barn full of paintings? Faith, Faith's
1: artwork, yeah.
0: Faith's artwork was in her own barn? In Martha's barn?
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I, I, I don't think so. so.
0: I think that was in their house. Because I think I, she went into the stoler house.
1: But why would she go there?
0: Because she suspected them.
1: From what? I don't the know. The chickens.
0: <laughs> yeah, the chickens.
1: I don't know because they're the chickens they're
0: that lay the, the eggs. They <laughs> keep that getting would brought. Because they do establish that the Stoller chickens are white chickens, and her chickens are not white chickens.
1: Ah, uh, that's true. That's true. So when she
0: sees the white chickens, she goes straight to the Stollers, and she's like, "These are their chickens." And when she gets to the house, it's full of all these super weird paintings and her husband's body strung up on ropes. Even though he's not in the painting, yeah. like the only reason that she would take his body and string it up like that as if she wanted it for a drawing reference I would think I mean what other purpose would she have for his corpse she's yeah. not interested in him she didn't even like him
1: I feel like there's there's stuff missing from this movie yeah like yeah. stuff that was cut yeah, that, probably. That, it, that enhances the lore of this movie Cause, cause, yeah, I, because Isaiah seems to want the house back right like why does he want this place back so bad
0: well if, i mean wealthy landowner jerk
1: yeah but it's like it seems like this house in particular but if that land was so important why did he give it to his son unless his son was meant to carry on right I, I
0: think that is the situation and I, when jess suggested that it was given to him when he was expected to stay a part of their community first yeah. and uh and then he went off to school and disappointed everyone but he still legally owned this because his dad had given it to him
2: this movie tried to do too many things yes i agree it was uh it was it was like, ambitious it was three or four different movies crammed into one and they didn't successfully do any one of those storylines i
0: still like it though thumbs up
2: i don't yeah i did not care for it
0: i'm giving it a thumbs up because like you said it, it it's trying to do too much stuff but it does all of it at least half no decent. i think
2: but but in the same sense it failed at every single one of them
0: yeah it failed at all of them but
2: it, it, so it, it's frustrating because i feel like it was it was okay it was serviceable for but then like at the end it's just like okay you you ruined anything that you had going for an okay movie
0: and yet the incubus kill was by far my favorite kill of the movie
1: but that needed to happen earlier or some kind of some kind of element of supernatural needed to happen earlier just to end it on that was very unsatisfying
0: the the thing the husband the ghost husband bothered me more than the incubus thing did because the ghost husband presumably you know shares something of what her husband was in life and he's really not giving her enough warning like you, you could have showed up yesterday <laughs> and told me this was gonna happen and i wouldn't have still been here but he shows up five seconds before the incubus and says oh beware the incubus and then she gets eaten but he didn't seem like himself and he also seemed like he was still decomposing even though he was a ghost it's like I don't know the logic behind that anyway
2: and how does he have the powers to do this would he give it to them by the incubus
0: yeah is he on incubus team Team Or, or
1: is it because he was a Hittite and he still has some kind of like heavenly heavenly power maybe
2: Another reason for my distaste of this movie is just, you know, and I I, I realize it's 1981, but the fact that we're going to associate, uh, you know, a, oh, a yes. transgender person or a hermaphrodite uh, person with just being insane.
0: Right. And anyone with any any sort of uh, gender identity situation in all of these movies has always ended up being either the killer or like even even the gay characters end up being villains yeah. most of the time um, with like windows or cruising last year. Yeah, um, just feels
2: lazy, honestly. Yeah. So there's that.
0: Yep, that's a problem. But uh, like you said, it was 1981. It was, it was early and people thought that they were being inclusive being, when they well, were doing this stuff. Or that yeah. they're
2: being clever. It's just like, well, nobody thought that this exists, so, you know... Well, thing. this is
0: pre-crying game, I guess, and and it is pre-sleepaway camp, but it's not it's not really a twist. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just kind of like a a thing I decided, and it doesn't actually mean anything to the story.
1: Yeah, unless unless they had established earlier that you know um, the sign of the beast, it will be like like the like the line they say from Revelations that it was and was not. Right, like it's like. That, that it, it, like the beast will appear without the form of a man or a woman. Right. Like, there's like something like that to let us know, like, oh, yeah. So it's going to be something that's not either. And then the twist is, oh, yeah. it's, it's both. It's both.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. The, and the other thing that's, that's weird about it is, th- is going the, the lengths and trying to make it a cinematic moment of the reveal that she has man parts, um, where, it could just as easily have been that she was gay. Like, if literally the only purpose for that twist is so that she could possibly be attracted to Martha. Yeah. Then it's like, why did you go so far left field for this moment?
2: Yeah, it's it's bizarre. It's yeah. a weird choice.
0: What are we doing letterboxed?
2: You're going to be disappointed in me. It's very low. I, like, I'm, I was I'm not so, disappointed in you. I was so frustrated. I'm by just mad.
0: <laughs> See, I did the opposite of. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed.
2: But I was so disappointed in the end of this movie and how it just totally went off the rails and it didn't wrap anything up. And we literally just spent like 30 minutes dissecting everything. And I still have no answers. I still have no idea.
0: And sometimes that's okay for a movie to be ambiguous with stuff, but I feel like this one does it in such a way that literally any kill in the movie could be five different people
2: and it just makes me mad it doesn't make me like it yeah so i have it very low because i really don't care to see it again though i am curious when you tell me how everyone on the discord is going to be like well clearly this was what happened because you know it'll be great to know i'll
0: tell you the fan theories when i have tell
2: me tell me that this totally makes sense and i'm completely wrong but for now It is in 95 out of 107. It is below Force 5, but above Tuck Everlasting.
1: All right, Richard. Cut that in half, because I have it at 51. 51, nice. uh, Which puts it below Tarzan, but above Endless Love.
0: All right. Um, I have it between two very similar movies, actually. Um, It's in 74th for me, um, and it's right under The Nesting, and just above image of the beast 74th out of what 107
2: Mm-hmm. yeah to be fair richard i actually have it also very close to tarzan but apparently i didn't like tarzan anywhere near as much as you either
1: i just liked it for richard harris he was the best part of that movie
0: yeah our director here was wes craven before this he had directed the last house on the left the fireworks woman and the hills have eyes he's back next directing swamp thing And later, he creates the A Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream franchises. He also directs Shocker, People Under the Stairs, and he amusingly has a cameo as himself in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Writer and story came from Glenn M. Benest. Nothing else I recognized other than this film. Uh, The other writer and story credit went to Matthew Barr. Again, nothing else I really recognized. The music here is from James Horner. It was originally John Beale who was hired to compose, but as with Wolfen earlier this season, Horner was brought on as a late replacement on the strength of his score for Oliver Stone's The Hand. He obviously has too many credits, but we've heard his work so far in Humanoids from the Deep, Battle Beyond the Stars, The Hand, Wolfen, and the trailer for Breaker Morant, which reused the Battle Beyond the Stars score. Later this season, he's backscoring The Pursuit of D.B. Cooper. Cinematographer Robert Jessup, he was the DP last season on Battle Creek Brawl, in 81, he lights The White Lions, which I've had a hell of a time finding. It's another 1981 Family vs. Lions movie directed by Willy Wonka's Mel Stewart. He also DP'd a fun Satanism road movie called Race with the Devil, starring Peter Fonda and Warren Oates.
1: Sorry, side note. Did you see that trailer with uh, for The Beast? with? Uh, I, f-
0: I assistant
1: edited it. Oh, I was gonna say like- I didn't I was, just see it. I was like, oh, fam- another Family Lion movie. Yeah.
0: Every time I read the word Jessup now, I think of the line from Altered States. You are a fucking flight Jessup! <laughs> Editor Richard Bracken, mostly TV credits before this. He came back to edit Swamp Thing, The Hills Have Eyes 2, and then back to mostly TV, including a lot of Power Ranger stuff. Marin Jensen played Martha Schmidt. She was Lieutenant Athena in Battlestar Galactica. This was her last film, but she's still around. She just didn't work after this one. Sharon Stone was Lana Marcus. Lana Marcus, she has a last name. I don't think they ever say the last name in the movie. We saw her feature film debut as a cameo in Stardust Memories last year. As this was early in Stone's career, she brought an acting coach to set for the duration of production. She's probably best known for Basic Instinct or Casino, but I love her cameo as the Basic Instinct character in Last Action Hero. And my favorite film from her is probably Sam Raimi's The Quick and the Dead. She also played the lead in Sidney Lamette's Lackluster Gloria remake. Susan Buckner played Vicki Anderson. She was pregnant during the production. She played Patty Simcox in Grease. Do you guys recall the last mention of Grease on
1: the podcast? Oh, yeah. Um,
2: oh, student body. <laughs> dressed <laughs> up. Oh, yeah.
0: They couldn't get the rights to the music, so they're doing the dialogue-only version. For whatever reason, after this, Susan Buckner has only one IMDb credit as an uncredited, unnamed reporter character in Police Academy 6. So, two of the three lead actresses of this film didn't work again after this, really. Jeff East played John Schmidt. He was Huck Finn in Disney's Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn adaptations of the early 70s. He was young Clark Kent in Richard Donner's first Superman film, and we've reviewed his work so far, playing Jack London in a minisode review of Klondike Fever. He's also Rex Crandall in Up the Creek and Chris in Pumpkinhead. Colleen Riley played Melissa this was her first feature film and she comes back as Jane in The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. Douglas Barr played Jim Schmidt. I wonder if he's any relation to Matthew Barr,
1: <laughs> who's
0: one of the writers of this film.
1: thought you were going to say Roseanne.
0: <laughs> Roseanne Barr, who is not one of the writers of this film. Douglas Barr is back later this season as Tony Ross in The Unseen. He also directed 14 episodes of Sweet Valley High and a couple dozen TV movies. Lisa Hartman played Faith Stoller she was Kathy Geary Rush in 96 Knots Landings. Three years from now, she'll play Jenny Cooper in Where the Boys Are. Lois Nettleton played Louisa Stoller. She's back as Molly in Soggy Bottom USA and Dulcie May in The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. She's also Joanne St. John in 22 episodes of In the Heat of the Night, and she played Lori Laughlin's mom on Full House for a two-part wedding episode. Ernest Borgnine played Isaiah Schmidt. This was at least Borgnine's second time playing an Amish farmer after the 1955 film noir Violent Saturday, a title which I love. We've seen him so far in When Time Ran Out, High Risk, and Escape from New York. He also starred as Marty in Marty and Dominic Santini on Airwolf. Yeah. And he's the voice of Mermaid Man on SpongeBob SquarePants. Michael Berryman was William Gluntz. He was Ellis in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Pluto in The Hills Have Eyes 1 and 2, Mutant Biker in Weird Science. He's not in this season's horror parody, Saturday the 14th, but he does show up in Saturday the 14th Part 2, and he was Cleavon in The Devil's Rejects. Uh, His specific medical condition is something called hypohydrotic ectodermal dysplasia, which prevents the formation of hair, fingernails, teeth, and sweat glands. Kevin Cooney played the sheriff. He was judge in Con Air, norad colonel in austin powers 2 and a general in austin powers 3. lawrence montaigne played matthew Glunts, he plays the vulcan staun on star trek the original series and he's hayes who's in charge of diversions in the great escape lucky mosley played sammy he was the plant supervisor in urban cowboy last season percy rodriguez was the narrator here we heard his voice last season as the darth vader-esque mordrick from Ordric in galaxina
2: the Blue, the Blue Star.
1: What is this shit?
0: And we just heard him a couple episodes back, uncredited as the voice of the Lochnar in Heavy Metal. He also narrates Captain EO. I think that's everything for Deadly Blessing. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Letterboxd, where, as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year, we can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. We also have a Discord now. Join the 24-7 movie chat and share your thoughts on episodes past, present, and future at VintageVideoPodcast.com slash Discord. And if you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe. What's that sound?
2: We got one!
0: That's right, it's a new patron, Louis Letizia. As a $5 patron of the show, Lewis now has access to 30 full-size 70s reviews and 34 minisodes from 1980. Thank you so much, Lewis, for making the show possible. I also wanted to offer a special congratulations to listener June on the happy addition to her family and a happy birthday to baby Arthur, who from Uh what I understand is already a fan of the show.
1: Oh, excellent. He just doesn't have the fine
2: motor skills to turn it off yet. Yes.
0: (laughs) He'll get there. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing An Eye for an Eye, which IMDb describes like so. An SFPD undercover narcotics cop aims to avenge his partner's death and destroy a drug-smuggling ring operated by the Chinese triads. We we'll leave you now with a trailer for An Eye for an Eye.
2: White Lightning is back. The non-stop excitement that created a legend continues. Martial arts superstar Chuck Norris in an eye for an eye.
1: It's a bigger operation than I ever even imagined.
2: Need protection. Your undercover operation was the best kept secret this narcotics bureau has ever had. So tell me something, my friend. Where was the leak?
0: We were set up. Belinda was very special to me. Very special.
2: Her death was an exit exorc- <laughs> <laughs> oh How I defend
0: a man like you! I'll save you the
2: trouble. I understand that since you left the force, you no longer carry a weapon.
1: Here's a weapon. Chuck Norris at his biggest. In the combats I have witnessed, your form has been impossibly cruel. Well, I get
2: a little nervous when someone's trying to kill me.
1: Chuck Norris at his baddest. (laughs) Chuck Norris in his most explosive film yet.
2: Try me. (laughs) Oh, boy. White Lightning is back. Martial arts superstar Chuck Norris in An Eye for an Eye.